believe that we're here you know 35 episodes in we have over 35 36 probably 37 i would venture to say 40 hours of content out in the world and fair the burn is rocking it is alive and it is well ladies and gentlemen but there is a way that we can get more well and part of that is to help um, support us. The number one way that you can kind of do that is uh, you can tell your friends about the podcast. It, we try to come out every week. Last year I did, I think, 31 out of 52 weeks. So my goal this year is about 35 to 40 podcasts. Uh, it's going to come out every week, probably um, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Typically is when I like to get them out. Uh, I enjoy getting them out on Sundays. That's something me and Cougar kind of talked about way back at the beginning because we want the podcast to kind of feel like church. And today I'm actually talking about a specific church for the last half of my sermon, I guess you could call it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So go ahead and let your friends know. Uh, like our channels. Subscribe to our channels. Give us those ratings. Give us those comments. The more that you engage with us, the more that other people will see that you're engaging with us, and it'll help them be like, hey, what, uh, what are these guys doing over at uh, FTB? Fuck that bitch. So, welcome to the podcast, man. I guess you could also go to bonfire.com forward slash FTB-1-1. You could go to patreon.com forward slash fair the burn, F-E-H-R, the burn, and you can support us that way. Uh, we have zero Patreons right now, which is fine. I'm really not that upset about it because it's it's just five bucks a month. And I would be upset if, like, we were putting out content every week and if we were famous, you know. Um, but I'm not famous, so I have zero Patreons. And if you want to be a patron, Fucking hallelujah, thank God to you, and I will say your name on every podcast. Every time that a patron fucking supports us on patreon.com forward slash fair the burn, I will say your name every single podcast near the beginning of the podcast. So if you would like to support us, you can do us you can do it those ways um, with money, but I really don't care about the money. Just kind of trying to put out content and uh, 
and enjoy my time. Enjoy my time, man, because it is not it is not forever that we're going to have this podcast and the grid and electro like electricity in general. So, very dark, very dark way to start the podcast. But it's true, man, been listening to that Lex Friedman podcast where he was on Joe Rogan and just the fact that, you know, the word nuclear is being thrown around quite a bit from from very powerful people who would have nuclear weapons. So, uh, yeah, man, we're not always going to have the podcast. We're not always going to have the remnants of the podcast or um, whatever your favorite content is or my music. Craig, C- Craig, how you normally spell it, with a period. I just dropped a new song on June 11th, which is the day I'm recording this, the day that this podcast will come out. Go listen to that shit. Tell your friends about it. Way more proud of the music than I am of the podcast. So go let your friends know about Craig, baby. Episode 35, The Corruption of La Luz del Mundo, which we'll get into later. But first, we will take these shots. Uh, I have a rum shot and a vodka shot in front of me. So I guess I'll take the rum shot, and then we'll see if I want to take the vodka shot immediately after, or if I'll take it uh, just, just, you know, at the end of the podcast. May I bookend with some shots? Let me get this chaser open just in case I need it. I probably won't because I'm not a bitch. Making him look like a stupid bitch. This is for Mac. Man, that pirate rum, man. That's, that's hitting the spot right there. Gonna wake us up for this motherfucking podcast. The worst boxing match of all time got established the other day. Instantly drunk. Fucking instantly drunk. The worst box. Listen, there's a lot of bad boxing matches out there. If you've been watching Fair the Burn for a while, you know, and you understand what getting rich means, if you've heard Meocentric, you know, couple of times um if you may or may not know who a person or what you should say to a person named David you know then you know on fair the burn we talk about boxing specifically celebrity boxing don't we talk a little UFC a little MMA a lot of the channel, we have many episodes dedicated to Jake Paul and his celebrity boxing matches, and that's kind of what we use for our, the title of our videos. And um, I, I do that because I think it's interesting. I don't think that they're going to be good fights, and I don't think that they're going to be good boxing matches by most stretches of the imagination. But I, I enjoy seeing who actually puts in the time, the dedication, and the work, and who might be like skilled athletically in order to um look like a professional fighter against an amateur obviously both of these people are amateurs when it comes to fighting so it's not like i can really be like oh yeah you're a good fighter but like could could you beat up like just an average rando like could you could you spar or go to a boxing gym and put on some gloves and spar with some average rando that's why i enjoy watching the celebrity boxing matches and Jake Paul's actually a pretty good boxer. You know, this is besides the point because he's not involved in the worst boxing match of all time. But 
dude actually has some skills. I was saying that since the Nissan Gib fight, uh, his first like professional fight, I'm pretty sure, where the dude was just fucking you know squatting the whole time, like a dude who didn't own a house, uh, just like coming at Jake Paul, and then he'd like squat down and get like super low, and Jake would just jab him, jab him, jab him. I don't even think he threw a two in that fucking round fight. It was just one round, but I think that he just jabbed the shit out of him. So that's why I like celebrity boxing matches, man. But I was on my Snapchat the other day, and I saw that the worst boxing match ever, like not celebrity or anything, just ever came out. It was announced. And and, and before I get into who the fight is, I just want to talk about why, why it's so bad. Number one, the fight between these two people uh isn't gonna go well like we've seen both of them i think one of them in two boxing matches and one of them in one and the guy with one boxing match whooped whooped the dude who he was fighting handily just swept the floor with him and the other guy who has the two boxing matches uh fucking lost to jake paul that guy lost to jake paul so he doesn't have a house uh, that's number reason two why this boxing match is so bad because they're fighting someone. This guy is fighting another guy who doesn't have a house, man. He's a squatter. He has nowhere to go and no thing to live for. Nobody cares about him. Why would you fight this man? It's just sad. You know? Like, why would you fight... The only reason I'm going to fight a person who has no house, no money, and no family that cares about them is if they're holding a knife at me in downtown Seattle. The fight is Austin McBroom versus a Nissan Gib. And it's it's going to be a terrible boxing match because Gib is... Okay, so I think he fought Jake Paul, and then I think he had another fight and I can't remember if he won or lost, but it went to decision. And I think he, I want to say he lost, but I don't know. And my phone's recording, so I can't look it up. But a Nissan just has, Gib has the worst, the worst stand-up stance or approach that I've ever seen. I don't watch a lot of boxing. I watch way more MMA. But his whole, like, I'm going to get, like, low and then fucking go between your legs and punch you in the back of the head. I don't know what he's going for with the squatting. Now, I know what I'd be going for with the squatting, and that's rights. That's the squatter's rights to live in your house. That's what I'd be going for, but I don't, I don't think he's trying to make that ring his house. I, tru- I truly believe that a Nissan Gib is just trying to look as buffoon-esque as possible and to be in the fucking headlines, which he is because he's headlining this card, and he shouldn't be. I think he won his last fight. He must have won his last fight if he's headlining this card with Austin McBroom, but you don't know because Austin McBroom used to be like a Division Two or Division One uh, athlete. I think he played basketball. Maybe he played football. But, like, in his fight versus Bryce Hall, Austin McBroom's feet were were really good, man. He probably had the best footwork I've seen from any of these, like, YouTube boxing guys. Like, 
clean, man. Clean and quick. He was in and out. He was, you know, he could hit you with the fucking all-leaf shuffle if he wanted to. Shit, man. If he was a bigger dude, I'd honestly say that's the best fight for Jake Paul for, like, another, like, YouTuber or person who's not a professional boxer or professional fighter to beat Jake Paul. But Austin Groom, I think, is, like, 150, 160 pounds. But, you know, he's he's fighting a Nissan Gib, and, and fucking Jake Paul fought Gib. So we'll see what happens. But we probably won't because worst boxing match of all time. Speaking of the worst boxing match of all time, how is Draymond Green even still signed to the Warriors, man? Hot and heavy with the sports takes early in this podcast. The NBA Finals are happening right now, and uh, so the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, who have as a big three between Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time, Clay Thompson, possibly top five shooter of all time, and not even possible, it's probably a probability, um, and Draymond Green, greatest defender of all time, his own words, not mine. They are playing for, I believe, their fourth championship together on um, in the NBA, and they are they are facing the the young and up and coming Boston Celtics, who really aren't up and coming. They've kind of been established and been in the hunt many years over the last couple of years, last few years, I think I should say. Uh, and they're a good young team, man. They're built really well. They're they're pretty big. Like overall, I think the average height of their team is pretty tall, and they're pretty wide dudes. Like they're they're a very strong team. You can tell. Headed by uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and for some odd reason, Al Horford. Now uh, they also have a lot of pieces around them: Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, uh, Derek White. I mean, they're they're a very well rounded. team. Uh, much, un- I mean, the Warriors also are that, but I feel like the Warriors rely much more heavily on their big three to do a lot of like big work for them. Granted, now they have Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to kind of help facilitate some offense, but it's uh, it's an interesting series, man. the The whole NBA playoffs has been really interesting because. Throughout the season, everything was pretty, like, all the refereeing and them calling fouls and whatnot was pretty consistent, you know? Like, uh, in the NBA, they used to do this thing where if you would shoot the ball but, like, look for contact when you shoot or try to hook someone's arm, uh, they'd call a foul on the defender. But the rules got changed this year where, like, if you are making any awkward movements when you're shooting the ball, then they're not going to call a foul for you, which I actually really enjoy because it makes the game happen a lot faster and it's just, like, more exciting. Uh, But if the defender does get into your landing space or landing zone, like, after you shoot, if they come down and you have to adjust yourself because of the defender, they'll call that. And and that was called pretty consistently throughout, like, the regular season and it it was pretty solid. Um, and I actually enjoyed it during, during the, the playoffs. That is not the case, man. It is the wild, wild 
West out there in the playoffs, and especially in these finals right now, man. Uh, like, they're not calling anything. Steph Curry is literally out there. I mean, you know, it's not the 90s. I don't want to say anyone's getting clotheslined or tackled or anything, but there's some calls last night where, I mean, Steph is getting bodied at the three, and he's still draining it. You know, it's 2-2 right now. It's two wins to two. Two wins, Boston. Two wins, uh, Warriors. And I've been having a really good time uh, watching the series. But, yeah, it's just insane how the refs don't want to call anything. Nothing, man. Uh, I've been watching it with a good friend of mine, Justin. Um, not necessarily watching it with him. He lives in Colorado. But we have been texting and uh, Marco Poloing back and forth quite a bit about the, the, the finals specifically. We were kind of talking about the playoffs with the Warriors versus the Memphis Grizzlies because Justin is a Warriors fan. So obviously he's deeply invested in what's going on because his team is good to his luck. You know, he had a lot of years where they were garbage and shit and whatever. Uh, my team is still there and will never win a championship. So I kind of have to ride on his coattails and be like, yes, the Warriors must win, even though they are in the same state as my team. Uh, it, that doesn't fucking matter, man. That doesn't matter. I mean, listen, I'm glad for the Warriors, you know? I, I just wish two things. I just wish that, number one, my team, the Los Angeles Clippers, would have the chance to actually go to the finals and have a good team and build it up right. But unfortunately, that's never going to happen. We're the third best team in California. Secondly, I wish that I had the energy to listen to Draymond Green's podcast after these NBA Finals games. Draymond Green, self-proclaimed greatest defender of all time, not true, and uh, small slash power forward for the Warriors, mostly podcaster, has been going home or back to his hotel after every single game and recording a podcast uh, about the finals game. And it's gotten so much attention. I haven't listened to one lick of it. I mean, I've listened to maybe, maybe two minutes of a podcast that he was doing. I don't hate Draymond Green or anything. I just don't have... The, the interest or the want to listen to him talk about the finals because I'm just watching them. Uh, and he's been uploading them, like, within the hour of the game. Like, whether they win or lose, 30 minutes later, you'll have an hour podcast. And you're like, Draymond, how did you record this hour podcast half an hour before the game gets done? And he goes, yeah, man, well, you know, I was actually recording during the fourth quarter when I was benched. Uh, so, so I started recording there and finished it up at the hotel afterwards, but I just wanted to get the feel of the game when I was there. Uh, and you're like, that is amazing, Draymond. And it's gotten so much, like, media attention, this podcast, that he, uh, he, he's not only talking about the podcast, like, uh, like, like, he's not only talking about the game, like, the games that he's playing on the podcast, but he's talking about about his podcast on his podcast, like on the podcast itself. He told them, he goes, you know, I know that everybody out there is telling me that 
you know, is it affecting your play or whatever, but you're getting this podcast. You know, come, come win, come loss, come draw. You're getting this podcast, okay? I need you to understand, like, what do you want me to do? Like, after, I, after the game's over, do you want me to go home and sleep and watch film? Because I'm already going to do that. But you're getting this podcast immediately after the game. Like, not an iota of the second will go on in the world before the game ends and the podcast is released. Because that's, that's content, baby. That's fucking Web3, man. Draymond fucking owns our asses. Not only that, Justin informed me that Draymond Green was talking about the podcast in his pre- and post-game interviews, man. And not only that, man. We're talking about his podcast so much, dude. Not only that. I watch basketball. I try to without any sound. None. Uh, sometimes I enjoy the crowd noise. Just kind of depends. This finals, been trying to watch a lot of it and just listen to other things to kind of take into it one, but also just to kind of get me viewing, like, what do I see? You know, without anybody else, I just want to know, like, what I see. And after game four, uh, Draymond Green was benched in the fourth quarter because he's terrible. And, uh, and, And the Warriors end up winning, and they get up by six with, like, a minute and a half to go, and then I think within, like, nine seconds left, they were up ten or something. So I was like, all right, the Warriors have it. Um, I turn the volume on, and the first thing I hear is from the announcer saying, yeah, well, you know, he's going to have to talk about why he got benched on his podcast tonight. And I lost my fucking mind, dude. I was like, everyone shut the fuck. Talk up about this podcast. Talk about Fair the Burn. <laughs> no one gives a shit about Draymond after dark. So, NBA finals are going on. Justin, I hope the Warriors win for your sake. Also, slightly for mine because it brings me some joy just knowing that a basketball team from California. One, and that my buddy's basketball team won. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fucking cool. You don't, it's not easy to win a championship. Uh, Justin believes that whoever wins the next, the next game is going to win the series. I am kind of along those lines as well. It is in Golden State, so I'm hoping that it's the Golden State Warriors because I do believe that they have a good home court advantage, but this series has kind of been a little weird. And the last thing I'd like to say about this before I uh, do a little bit of money counting and um, get into the real topic of today's episode, uh, I would just like to say that I have been saying that Jason Tatum uh, was a beast since he got drafted. I, I think that was in 2017 um, because the summer league was going on. And I was always really high on Lonzo Ball. Still am high on Lonzo Ball. People can, you know, you can say whatever the fuck you want about that. But I, uh, 
I was high on Lonzo, thought he was really good, and in the summer league of 2017, I want to say, I'm pretty sure it was 2017, it might have been 2018, but I'm pretty sure it was 2017, uh, Jason Tatum, the the Celtics were playing the Lakers, who uh, Lonzo was on at the time, and Jason Tatum said, I got Lonzo. He was like, I'm going to lock him down, and he fucking locked him down, and I watched that game, and I watched how Jason Tatum would would dribble to the end of the court, and I don't think he had the sidestep down yet then, but he had his fucking Kobe fadeaway and just drained that in Lonzo's face time after time after time again, man. So, uh, that's all the good shit, man. That's all the good shit. Now we're going to get so dark, and I'm going to uh, start counting this money. We are... About 20-ish minutes into this thing. All right, just give me one second. All right, we're back. I'm not going to add any music there um, or anything to cover that dead air. If if you were listening during that time, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I have a fat $100 bill in my hand right now, dude. So I need it for what the fuck we're about to talk about. Um, let me take a drink of this drink. So, uh, man, to be honest, like, thinking about what to talk about for the podcast the last little bit has kind of been a bit of a challenge for me. You know, obviously, I have the Life Group series going on right now, which we're kind of taking a break from until I can get someone else from the Life Group, where I'm kind of expanding that or opening that to my church in general, back into the pod. Um, and... So I've kind of been struggling to be like, what am I, what do I really, what am I, who, like, who am I going to talk to? What am I going to talk about? Like, I just kind of realized that I needed a, a solo pod um, to do this week. So uh, sometimes when I'm in states like that, I take to the internet, as we do, and I uh, look up current events on Google. Normally... Uh, and by normally, I mean 95% of the time, that does absolutely nothing for me. Because the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, I mean, it's kind of specific to what we're doing here. We're talking about Christ, corruption, and culture, and, you know, that's a, that's a wide topic. But, you know, part of our culture is, like, celebrity boxing, like I'm talking about. So, trying to find things that... Um, are very interesting to me and that I think would be very interesting to talk about. Um, 
aren't often found on CNN.com, Fox.News, you know, MSNBC, whatever the fuck, whatever fucking website I'm on on that thing. Until this week, man. So this week, I think on Thursday of last week or maybe Friday of last week, I can't really remember like the, the exact day, but about a week ago, I read this, this, uh, this headline that caught my eye that was a uh, church leader pleads guilty to child pornography. I think that's what it said, something like that. 16 years, 36 counts of uh, child endangerment, child pornography. So I, so I do a little research, um, read the article, uh, listen to a little bit of the little bit of the, the, the plea, I don't know what, what to call it, a trial, because it's not really a trial, but like the plea hearing, I guess. Um, and I stumble upon what I believe is a fascinating and very underrepresented and underreported on cult. Um, the name, it's, it's, it's Spanish church, and it's, it's a, basically it's a church that believes that they are the restoration of primitive Christianity, and they don't have any, like, what's the word? Like, they don't believe in idolatry, so they don't have any idols or, uh, like, pictures up on the wall or, like, crosses or anything, I think. Like, they don't, like, like to use symbols for idolatry or anything. But, uh, they're, they're, a, they're a Spanish, they're a Mexican, um, religion and in Mexico Mexico was conquered by Spain way back in the day which is why a lot of Hispanic people are Catholic uh, and for those who don't know Catholicism is very big on idols and they're very big on you know confession so you go to confession you talk to a minister and he says okay confess your sins to me my son you tell him you murdered a man whatever the fuck you're going to tell him, you know, that you sodomized your dog, terrible things. Uh, and he goes, okay, my son, thank you, you know, uh, say seven Hail Marys and, you know, take three things of holy water. I don't know how it works because I've never been Catholic. But they're very, like, performative and they're very idolatry-centered to a sense where, like, even during Catholic Mass, I know that sometimes for some sections of, like, the Bible – or some sections of, like, the sermon, you sit. And then for some sections, you stand. And then for some sections, you kneel. So it's very weird. And uh, America was founded by, I believe, Protestants um, way back in the day. I'm not really sure what, like, the actual pilgrims were. But their religion was very, like, no dancing, no dressing out weird. I mean, God is in your heart, and you shouldn't smile, because if you do, then you're letting God out, and you want to keep every bit of God inside of you, because that's where God wants to be as well. Inside of you. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just fucked up now. Uh, but I'm talking about this shit. The, 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 the religion is called La Luz del Mundo, there's a way longer name than that in Spanish, and essentially, like, the the actual name is, like, Jesus Christ, I can't remember. Like, it's uh, the Pillar of Truth, 
you know, bringer of holiness, light of the world church, which is what Luis del Mundo means. It means the light of the world. Um, and they are a religion that was founded in 1926 by a man who I don't know his his original name. Getting so much so much information out of this. Uh, I think it was Joaquin something, Joaquin Garcia, something like that. And uh, he was, in 1926 or before that, he was in the military as a young man in Mexico. And he was Catholic, I think. And then he met some, like, American missionaries who came down who, like, kind of has opened up his eyes to, like, wow, like, you know, Christianity doesn't have to be this performative, crazy, like, da-da-da, um you know, big extravagant thing. It can just be something that's small and in your heart and, you know, that you can hold on to like a personal relationship and you don't have to tell everybody and have all these idols and whatnot. So, uh, joins the military, meets those guys, does his, um, you know, command at the military and whatnot. And then it's said that he gets a revelation from God and that he was like laying in bed and he saw these stars and shit. And the stars like started to like make figures and he's trying to be like what did these stars mean and stuff and so eventually the stars make a hand uh with a finger pointing right at him and god says joaquin or whatever the fuck your name is your name is now aaron because even God wants you to be white. Because even God wants you to live in the middle of Kansas on a farm with your dog, guess what, named Toto. Yep, he wants you to be Dorothy. So he looks at this guy, he says, listen, your name is now Aaron. Um, and I need you to go on a long journey for me. So he, So he has this guy, now Aaron, which I'm sure if you... We're actually pronouncing it in Spanish. It would be Eron um, or some shit like that because, you know, Aaron is a Hebrew name. But I just think it's funny that they're like, yeah, his name's Aaron now. Cool. Uh, God tells Aaron to go on this trek from one city in Mexico to another city in Mexico. And, and the walk is uh, is 494 miles long. It's super long. So... He does. So him and his wife, they walk, they start walking, and it's said that along the way that he was performing many miracles. Don't know what these miracles are, uh, but just the fact that he made it from one city to another city that's like 500 miles away in 1926, walking eight months out of the year, is insane because like, I feel like back then it would be one of those things where it's like, you walk in this direction and then once you make it to, like, a house or something, you ask them if you can stay there. And then you say, where is this, this city we're looking for? And they just point. They just go, it's that way. And you go, okay. Do you need your leg healed? Because I can do it. Well, not me, but God. So anyway, Aaron and his wife, they walk fucking almost 500 miles to this other city. They set up there. And uh, they start their family. They start their church. They begin, I mean, building temples and different churches and things like that. Uh, and so from 1926, in 1942, a group of them left and started their own, like, denomination of that church. 
I don't really know why. Um, I'm curious if it has something to do with, like, the fact that these people, um, and by these people I mean Aaron and his family, believed that they were the chosen ones. Like, Aaron at that time, after he got the revelation from God and became the leader of this church, had everyone started calling him an apostle, which when you actually listen to people from the, from the church talk, they say apostle, because I'm pretty sure that's how you would pronounce it if you were a Spanish speaker. Um, but they had him started to call him apostle, and like they had this thing called the doctrine of election, which is essentially this idea that uh, in order to get close to God, you have to get close to Jesus, and the apostle is Jesus reincarnate. So, in order to please Jesus, you have to please the apostle. So, 1942 comes, a group of them leave, and uh, four years later, Aaron hands the church on from, his, from, him, from him being the apostle to his son, Samuel, who, which also, again, is in English. Uh, as an English speaker, I think he would pronounce it Samuel. Um, but I, I like the name Samuel. Like, I want to name my kid Samwell, but name him, like, S-A-M-W-E-L-L. Because people will be like, man, how's Sam? Yeah, Sam's well. Sam well, man. Sam well. Dude, he ain't good, but he also ain't bad. You know what that boy is? Sam well. Sam, dude. So, anyway, um, hands it from what he was doing to Sam well. And, uh... Sam Welford, from what everything I understand, was a very good leader. Uh, he um, encouraged and embraced the teachings of his father. They started to do some sort of sketchy things, like, you know, typically in church, uh, in, in big cult groups, they have you dedicate a lot of your time to, like, make money for them. So, like, I think around that time, they started selling flowers. So, like... Uh, they they would have the the people from the church like the members buy flowers from uh, La Luz del Mundo and then they would go to the street and sell the flowers and then you take that money and give it back to the church in La Luz del Mundo. So essentially, they're buying the flowers and then they're buying the flowers again. So they're buying all the flowers and then selling them and then giving that money back to the church. So they just started to kind of do some, like, cult things like that. They set up a – they didn't call it a compound, but essentially it's, like, they they want to uh, – they started building structures and then building, like, fences around them to keep, like, the outsiders out. So essentially, like, they would start to build compounds or um, different, like, villages, like gated communities and things like that uh, just for church members, <clears throat> which – is already getting pretty culty, you know. I mean, Aaron, guy's probably a cult leader. I don't know. Sometimes you got to question if those people really have the best interest in mind, or if they really do believe what they're saying, which that guy might have. Um, Samwell also might have. They might not have because you know they're they got to make money somehow, you know. So like this, they're still conning people, but maybe they believe. So. Anyway, that that is uh, that is what happens essentially from about 1926 to ni- the 1990s. Is you have Aaron 
and his uh, his son who are leading this church, um, which is meeting every day. From what I understand, they have three services a day. I think one is two hours long, the other two are one hour long. Um, and you are expected to like participate in services, so whether that's like through singing in the choir or preaching or like it's like real like indoctrination type stuff. They're building other like communities for only church members. Um, I'm sure that around that point, they're also telling members of the church, like, hey, don't be friends with or, you know, date other people who are outside of the church, which I think that's a good indicator for you're in a cult. Like, if the leaders are like, hey, don't talk to anybody outside of this because they're going to ruin your spirit or your mind. Like, they're trying to keep you from doing something, you know? Uh, So I think that, like, the idea of, you can't have friends outside of this or you can't date anybody outside of this. Like, people who aren't in cults don't say shit like that. Like, you wouldn't go to a rock climbing gym, right, and be around a bunch of boulderers, people who boulder, who climb small rocks, and be like, hey, you guys, like, uh, play any video games? And they're like, no, we don't play any video games. We we fucking boulder. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, uh, you know, I was I was thinking about asking, you know, Marty over there on a date. Like, but you don't play any video games. And Marty goes, oh, no, nah, man. Like, I'd, I'd go on a date with you for sure. And you go, but Marty, you, you're a boulderer. And he goes, yeah, man. That doesn't mean that I can't fuck you. You know? So, Brian Cowan. Uh, but it's a good way to tell you're in a cult or not. Okay, so... 1990. The 1990s roll around, and Samwell has a son. Um, named Mason Joaquin Garcia. And um, Nason takes over for his dad somewhere in the late 1990s. I think it's between 1996 and uh, 98 or 99, but it's somewhere in there. And uh, Nason is a fucking weirdo, man. Like, even I was looking up old pictures of him when he was young. Not a creepy old dude um, who's getting convicted of child pornography. But... I was just like, man, this guy, like, he just has that face. You know, he just has that face where you're like, I can't, I don't know if I'd trust this guy around, like, little girls, specifically. Like, you know, the the, 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 the little boy touchers, they also have their look. Um, you know, like the Dahmer t- types, like, real thin and uh, wiry and big old glasses and real nerdy. Uh, probably a comb over. Those are little boy touchers. Little girl touchers. Um, they're normally heavier set dudes. Um, beard or no beard doesn't really matter. Also probably have a comb over. And they are uh, cheeky, smiley guys who you probably wouldn't peg as wanting to fuck a 12-year-old. Um, but there's also something that's just a little bit off about them. You know? So take me, for example. I seem like your average little girl toucher. I'm not. But would you fucking trust me? 
uh, that joke is not going to do good for my career wanting to actually work with kids. But it's true, man. Like, dudes who touch little girls, like older men, are typically like heavier set dudes who you know wear white beaters. Okay? And I don't wear white beaters. So, maybe they don't wear white beaters. I don't know. They're just fat guys. Okay? And that's a bad thing to say, but it's true. So, how to get off of that fucking topic. Jason just he just looks like a weirdo, man. He's just fucking weird. Um <laughs> started talking about what fucking job molesters look like and now I'm now I'm flustered, dude. But yeah, he took the fucking operation. Listen, man, we're gonna work through it. It's okay. No one's touching kids around here, because if you do, you get locked up and you get your ass beat, right? You get your fucking ass beat. I'll fucking do it. I don't give a shit. Listening to this dude's trials, listening to the girls who were fucking talking about what happened to them was sickening, dude. And we'll get to that shit. It was fucking sickening. I sat there and listened for three and a half goddamn hours. The weirdo man. He takes the flower operation and the and 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 the the neighborhood operation and and completely pushes it, man. Completely pushes that shit. Um, he starts buying a lot of property, um, multiple hundreds, thousands of acres. Wants to start setting up cities like light of the world cities. Um, he would use the members' money that they would give to the church to buy the land and then sell them back a portion of that land so they could build their house on it. So not only are you paying for that land once, you are paying for it twice, just like the goddamn flowers. And they're <coughs> they're bamboozling you, man. <coughs> so essentially, um, Nason starts like, giving a lot of sermons and acting real sus around a lot of people and start saying things like, you know, I might have to leave the country for a little bit. This is in like 2017, 2018. I might have to leave the country for a little bit because, uh, you know, the God, it's not safe for me here and God wants me somewhere else. So I might have to preach remotely. And I think he did for a little bit. Um, or he would start he would start asking his congregation, you know, if people if people told you things about me, would you believe them? If if there was a national coverage of media saying that I was so wrong, would you really believe that the apostle would be so cruel and so sinful to do so? I am Jesus Christ in the flesh, and I'm here to help you with your salvation. You know, this is years and years and years of of brainwash. Literally, I mean, this this cult has been around almost a hundred years. Um, so, you know, he's kind of preconditioning his his people, um, who are already coming to his building multiple times a week for hours at a time to help lead sermons for him, who who believe that he is God incarnate. He is programming and conditioning them to. Always bow to him, you know, and always and always believe um, 
believe in him rather than rather than God. Uh, so in 2019, I think in June of 2019, um, Nason is arrested uh, in in California. I want to say it was in Los Angeles, but I might be wrong about that. With two young women on a private jet coming off a PJ, okay, and and he's wrestled with these two women. Um, I can't remember if they were minors or if I, – I think that they were adults because I think that they were, like, helpers on him grooming. That's 2019. He's locked up for two years. His followers are still saying that he's innocent. Only five members of the church came up and actually spoke against this man, um, but they had 36 charges on him. You know, that's over six charges per per girl. So the extent to which this man, what he probably had, because if he really was recording himself molesting these little girls with helpers beside him, and other people around, there's probably databases and databases and databases that he has. So he gets arrested. And he's facing life in jail, life in prison, 25 to life, um, with just 36 counts. And this week, he was given and taken a plea deal for 16, 16 years and I believe 19 months. So uh, his followers are still still supporting of him. Uh, I watched the, the actual hearing, and it, it was tough. It starts out with this lawyer, this counter lawyer, um, who is working against him, the prosecuting lawyer, and... She says, you know, what these women went through is so terrible. There's a lot of victims out there who can't speak out because they're getting shunned by their family and they can't and they're they don't feel safe to do so. Some of them don't even know that they were abused. Um, and then they go into the witness the witness uh, testimonies and they are absolutely gut wrenching. It begins with an hour monologue of uh, his niece, who has just some of literally the worst stories. Um, when she was 12, her getting taken to her uncle's house, um, believing that she was so lucky, or, or to, take her, to take him on, a, I think it was a mission trip, is the first time that he ever did anything to her, and she felt so lucky to like go on this mission trip, and... Um, he would have her, like, call him Theo when he was doing things to her. Uh, he, at one point, had his dog, his dog penetrate her as well. Um, after the first time that it happened as well, she she bled a lot, and after she kept bleeding, he wouldn't stop. Uh and one of his men came over after it was done and had said to him, my lord, look at your niece's innocence. Um, like a sign of your niece's innocence. Uh, 
she was crying. I mean, the whole time that she was giving this speech. Uh, if you want to feel, I mean, I mean, and that's not even the worst of it, you know. Like that's not the worst of it. Like there are there are things that she said that are so hard to repeat. And like you guys know me, and you heard the shit that I just said, and like you know the shit that I'll say on this podcast. I'll say fucking anything. But like there are things that she said that I went, I would, I I can't repeat that. I can't repeat it. So yeah, so I listened to that. I listened to Jane Doe two, and then I listened to half of Jane Doe three, and it was about three and a half hours in, and I went, yeah, man, this is just this is too much. I don't need to listen to all of this. Like, I, I get the point. This guy is, is fucked up. You know, he um, he had the girls at his, at his house, his complex. The man took a, took a PJ to California, so you can imagine how big his house is in Mexico. Uh, they, he had all of them call him Papi or Daddy Nason. Um which is just sick. It's just fucking sick. And that's another sign that you're in a cult. If you have a dude around you, typically a dude, I guess there sometimes could be a lady, but I don't know. If you have a dude around you that's telling you to call him something else that's not his name, leave. Leave that guy. Daddy Nason? Daddy Keith Raniere had the people in Nexium call him Vanguard. You know? If fucking Vanguard... My blinds are, are moving. I don't know if you can hear it on the mic. If Vanguard comes for you, dude... I, I just... I just think it's sick. Um, I wanted to touch on it today. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to bring it to light. Because it is something that I don't think is getting any traction in the, in the mainstream media. Granted, I'm not really on, like around to see like what is getting news and what isn't. But um, these January 6th uh, trials are going to be happening, you know. So I think that's really gonna really gonna be the forefront. But I haven't like if I didn't search for current events that day, I would have never known that this ever happened, and I wouldn't know that that. La Luz del Mundo, like, is a thing, you know? But now I know that it's this wild cult that people still believe in and are still saying that fucking Nason is an apostle and who is God incarnate and that he he told his church that they didn't have any evidence on him and that he was never going to get a fair trial, so he took the plea deal. No, man, you just didn't want to spend the rest of your fucking life in prison. You know, but people are so brainwashed and programmed, and there's been generations at this point that they they believe that. You know, these girls would get molested, and then they would quote scripture at them to like to to justify what they're doing, and have them explain that you know God needs you to give sacrifices, so your body was something for us to sacrifice today. And and then the girls would be talking; they would be like, "I would pray to God. I would pray to Him." And be like, I hope that you took this sacrifice and that it was good enough for you. That's deep, man. That's deep church trauma shit, dude. And that's what we're here to talk about on Fair the Burn. 
Christ, corruption, and culture sometimes mixed into all three. And that's what we're bringing to light with the light of the world. Church. Thank you for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Go ahead and follow us uh, wherever you can. Uh, Fair the burn anywhere you'll find us. Bye, bitches. A better way to say that I'm on the way in my own lane. With all the ways it takes to stay awake in this game, it's so lame. And I'm drunk, I run, I try to find cover, but there's no love. Gonna put the Lincoln logs back into the flesh. I said car hearts are popping everywhere, non stopping. Everybody jocking because the style is rocking. Because of the internet, everybody is illiterate to read their own thoughts, and others, there's no difference. Because the interwebs, we're more connected than ever before. Because of socials that let us share and comment and dislike and profit off of attention, which became currency in our pockets. Like, clout is a credit line you keep paying back to be like your idols who are making bank, being brand ambassadors with YouTube videos. Do it for the gram, we go viral, get a little go. Don't think, just do. Monkey me, not monkey you. And if someone said that to me, I'd say they're a funny dude. I don't rock like that. Man, my song's a different tune. A better way to say that I'm on the way in my own lane. With all the ways it takes to stay awake in this game, it's so lame.